Question from Anonymous. Dear Long Po, I tend to develop headaches during intensive retreats. This morning I used the quick repetition of Bhutto as my meditation object. I noticed the mind became more and more peaceful, but after some time, tension started building up in the head, and I don't know how to fully relieve it. May Lung Po give me some advice on how to work this out. Thank you. So if you're overly determined in your meditation in using the repetition of Bhutto, then headaches uh, and tension may come up. So you have to notice for yourself when you're using Bhutto as your meditation object, repeating it continuously uh, and quickly. Uh, this is like you're going against the thinking and proliferation of the mind. And if you do it uh, too much, then it may cause tension and headaches or effects on the body. Uh, so it may be too much uh, for your body. So you have to know that for yourself, be aware of that. And you can try to reduce the intensity of your uh, use of this meditation object uh, by developing mindfulness, just to know the in and out breath in a very relaxed uh, and comfortable manner. If you try to overly control the mind uh, with this object, then it may lead to tension and stress in the body. You can notice that if your body is just in a normal uh, state outside of meditation or you aren't meditating, uh, then how come there's no tension and headaches coming up? Uh, so you just be, be aware of that natural feeling outside of meditation uh, and you can see that that doesn't cause distress and tensions and headaches. Um, and so then you can try just to use that word butto, uh, butto in a very uh, relaxed uh, manner, use it very lightly. Uh, you don't need to use it too strongly or too quickly. And doing it like this, then it, the mind may uh, become peaceful and calm. But if you do it too quickly, uh, too much intensity, then you may find that it does have a negative effect on the body. So you can try to reduce uh, this intensity. Uh, question from Anonymous. Dear Long Paul, can you please explain the feta of Silapata Paramasa and provide real life examples of this? It's translated into English. Uh, it's translated in English into attachments to rites and rituals. But I heard another Ajahn say that the translation should be more about keeping precepts and having virtue. Thank you very much for your teachings. So the 
abandoning of these three samyochana or three fetters. Uh, in particular, we, you're asking about silabata paramasa. Uh, and so the first fetter of sakyaditi is this wrong view, seeing uh, as self and seeing that self is uh, true, that's their reality. And this is wrong view, and this leads to birth. Uh, the three fetters are uh, of a similar nature, which Ikicha is skeptical doubt. This is not understanding into the uh, foundations of Dhamma practice one doesn't uh, understand clearly, one sees and has doubts about uh, rupa and nama, materiality, mentality as being self. In terms of uh, the third feta of silabata paramasa, this is, can be a, uh, attachment to keeping precepts and practices uh, keeping different forms of sila, for instance, uh, different practices such as for monks, they keep different uh, ascetic practices we call tudong uh, kowat. Uh, and believing that practicing like this can lead one to become free from suffering uh, or practices such as not speaking at all leads to freedom from suffering uh, or being uh, strict in a certain mode of practice and method and believing that that will lead one to freedom from suffering. Uh, maybe uh, not eating, fasting uh, will lead one to freedom from suffering. And for those outside of the Buddha sasana, there may be ascetics who are practicing in certain ways and they believe that their practices lead them to be free from uh, suffering. And so it's attachment to these types of uh, practices and precepts. Uh, but we practice the uh, training of sila, samadhi, and banya. Uh, so that sila is uh, for the purpose of the freedom from suffering, from dukkha. It's not for the purpose uh, to be born in heaven or to get happiness or to get wealth, uh, to think uh, like that is wrong view and is an arising of a sense of self. Uh, or one, if one attaches to certain uh, modes of practice and then believes that are oh, we practicing stricter than other people, uh, that is also um, incorrect. So this sila is for the abandoning um, of the fetters, these three fetters, in order to gain wisdom and understanding. So all of the meditation objects, the 40 uh, kamatanas, there's Buddha Nusati, Dhamma Nusati, Sangha Nusati, Chaka Nusati, um, and the foundation of Anapanasati. So these lead the mind to gain peace and calm uh, to arise. And then we contemplate into Rupa and Nama uh, seeing it as being anicca, dukkha, anatta, impermanent, unsatisfactory, and not self. 
seeing this clearly, uh, this is called seeing the Dhamma. And so the mind uh, lets go of all three of these lower fetters uh, at the same time. It doesn't uh, become let go of one after the other. Quiet, huh? Uh, another anonymous question. Yesterday I attempted to contemplate where the eye is located. I tried to observe from one place to another without finding it until reaching the thought object. Then the thought ceased and the feeling of nothing arising became apparent. The same thing happened when I tried this again. I would like to seek long pause, compassionate advice and guidance on how I should proceed further in meditation practice. So the contemplation of our body, whether it's uh, the whole body or uh, a particular part of the body, or contemplating the mind uh, objects, uh, one contemplates that uh, those things and uh, it reduces... Uh, sorry, one sees it then as being impermanent and not a self. Uh, so this feeling may come up just momentarily. Um, then one has to do this often, this uh, type of contemplation. So one contemplates until... Uh, the mind gets peaceful, uh, contemplates, and then one can see clearly. Uh, if the mind gets tired from this contemplation, one can go back to mindfulness of the breath. Uh, and then when one has enough strength and to again uh, do, uh, continue one's contemplation investigation. Uh, so there's the method of uh, contemplation and leading to peace or the method of developing peace first and then doing contemplation. And in these ways, then uh, understanding or clear understanding can arise. So one needs to practice this a lot. In the beginning, one's understanding won't uh, be very clear. Um, so one needs to, one may see into emptiness just momentarily, but one needs to keep contemplating again and again to see uh, this and to have emptiness arise. Uh, if the mind becomes agitated, uh, chaotic, or uh, has a lot of thinking, then one has to go back to the breath and butto and uh, to make the mind peaceful again. Uh, then one can contemplate and see this body as being anicca, dukkha, anatta. Um, so this contemplation, uh, it's separating, or the mind separating from its uh, mind objects. Uh, one can see the five khandas as being, the five aggregates as being anicca, dukkha, anatta, uh, this is like one separating out the mind objects from the mind. Uh, one can see the rupa and nama as being not a self, and one can separate those uh, five aggregates out. Uh, this is what one attaches to as a self, and so to separate out 
these five khandas or aggregates, uh, then this is to see that these aggregates are not us, not me or mine. So if one is able to see this often, then one will see the Dhamma. A question from Dinesh from the UK. Dear Lung Po, uh, if karma leads to rebirth, then how does mindfulness affect rebirth? Is lacking in mindfulness the cause of rebirth in the lower realms? So karma, there's the good karma, the bad karma, and the uh, neither good or bad karma. So when the good one does good karma, these intentional actions, then the result is uh, happiness arising for us. Uh, if one does bad karma, uh, then this leads to suffering to arise for us. Uh, so this uh, sati, or the right uh, mindfulness, uh, we call this uh, sama sati, uh, right recollection. Uh, so this is the recollection or mindfulness in the body, feelings, the mind, and the mind objects. Uh, so this comes from a basis of right view. Uh, so we have right view, and then we do uh, good actions, wholesome actions, and we don't do unskillful actions of body, speech, and mind. When there is any unwholesomeness arising in us, then we have effort to let that go. So we have to have a lot of mindfulness here to do a lot of good uh, kamma, and this will give the results to us to have happiness. And if this leads, or and if we have rebirth, then we'll be reborn in a good, uh, pleasant destination. But if one's mindfulness is uh, not good, and one does not keep the uh, sila or the five precepts, one engages in killing the killing of living beings, uh, then one can be reborn in a lower realm. But even if one hasn't died yet, uh, the mind is already lowered. So one does need to train uh, the mind to have mindfulness, to keep building goodness and good karma. Uh, so this is basically the practicing of dana, generosity, sila, virtue, and bhavana, mental cultivation. Uh, question from Anonymous. Thank you, Ajahn, for your clear guidance. I feel very motivated to practice. When practicing meditation, I noticed a lot of defilements like irritation, boredom, disturb the mind, and feel like it will take many lifetimes to understand the truth. It can be demotivating sometimes. Any kind advice, venerable sir? Uh, and a, a second question is, is a romantic relationship helpful if I want to be seriously practicing on the Noble Eightfold Path. So in the beginning, you need to have uh, patient endurance, be patient and endure. 
when one wasn't practicing developing samadhi, meditation, uh, there were a lot of defilements, peculaces were there, um, but you didn't or we didn't notice them back then. But now we've come to practice meditation, develop samadhi, and then we see and notice now that there are a lot of these mental defilements coming up of all forms, irritation, boredom, anger, greed. Uh, There's all of that coming up uh, in the mind, or these are all in the mind at... at, um, at uh, all, uh, constantly. So in the mind, there's already the hindrances of sensual desire, ill will, sloth and torpor, uh, restlessness and uh, doubt there already. And so we need to put effort into the practice uh, to know that these things, when they come up, that they're Uh, impermanent, they don't last. When our mindfulness is not good, our samadhi is not firm, then these gilases, mental defilements, will come up a lot in our mind and the mind will uh, become disturbed and chaotic uh, from them. And at that time, we're unable to do anything about it yet and so they lead us to suffer. So we must have patient endurance first. It's just like if we're learning a new uh, hobby or sport and we're beginning to train and learn that sport and if we've just started for one month and then we go against uh, the world champion in that sport, do you think we can win? Uh, We won't be able to. Uh, But we can endure and slowly learn and keep being diligent and putting effort, and things will get better. Or it's like a child, uh, a young child. Are they able to run as fast as an adult? Can they walk very quickly? Um, In the beginning, they have to crawl first, and then they try to get up and try to learn how to walk, maybe just one step, two steps, and then fall over. But they get back up again, uh, and they try again, and then they can walk a bit more, and uh, so on. So we practice uh, developing then our mindfulness, our samadhi, and we must have this virtue of uh, patience, patient endurance. This is the virtue of all Dhamma practitioners, ascetics, uh, yogis. Don't be discouraged. Uh, Don't be bored in the practice. If you have these feelings come up, just ask yourself, who is it that is bored? Who is it that is discouraged? Uh, And you can then, uh, you will be able to become free of these uh, moods and emotions. So this uh, relationships or sensual desire, uh, it does have, its benefits, we call it, or virtues, karma, guna, but they also have uh, its drawbacks as well, karma taught. 
uh, and that is that it leads to old age, sickness and death. It leads to attachments to arise and basically one has worry and anxiety there. But if you do have a romantic relationship, uh, you can still practice the Dhamma. Um, when you're practicing Dhamma at those times, you put down all those other types of feelings, uh, try to develop then good mindfulness, good samadhi, uh, and in this way you'll be able to see the Dhamma. They were the lay disciples in the time of the Buddha, uh, Anatta Pindika, the wealthy merchant, uh, Lady Wisaka, and they could attain to Dhamma. Uh, they didn't have uh, obstacles in, uh, from their uh, relationships. Uh, and so uh, Ajahn Anand just asks you that you practice or try to develop your mindfulness a lot throughout the day and practice in that way. Uh, so a question from Vajira from Mahabodhi, India. Tan Ajan, greetings from Bodh Gaya. Salutation at your holy feet and thanks for guiding us with the retreat. To progress onto the happiness of Nibbana, we should observe and follow the Noble Eightfold Path, but we also need to fulfill the Ten Parami. How are these two paths related and how should we understand this? Thank you. Vajira with Anjali. So you have to understand that these ten parameters or spiritual perfections uh, to build it to its completion or fully, uh, there's different levels to that. There's the ordinary level, uh, which... Sorry, there's the ordinary level is the more stricter level or middle level and then the highest ultimate level. Uh, so the normal level requires just ordinary sacrifices. Uh, the middle or the higher level requires the sacrifice of one's organs and the highest or ultimate level requires the sacrifice of one's life. Uh, and the ordinary level of Barami, uh, we of sacrifice there. Uh, this incorporates all types of goodness like dana, giving, sila, virtue, bhavana, uh, developing sati, mindfulness and wisdom, and putting effort in the practice. Uh, so that's already incorporated in that. Uh, but the bodhisattva, one who aspires to become a Buddha, will develop the ten parameters uh, to uh, its completion uh, for the purpose of bodhinyana uh, to become a Buddha. Um, but this isn't uh, against uh, how uh, the Noble Eightfold Path, the practice of sila, samadhi and panya. If you're asking, does it incorporate the ten paramis in this Noble Eightfold Path, uh, then there is uh, wisdom there, uh, effort, determination. They have mindfulness, samadhi, sila. It's also incorporated in the Noble Eightfold Path. Uh, so they don't go against each other. Um, and you can practice them, practice these parameters as well. Um, practicing dana, you can do. 
practicing nekamma renunciation, you can do um, maybe one day out of the week, you keep the eight precepts. And so this is also contained in the ten paramitas, in nekamma parami. Practicing to keep the mind away from uh, liking and disliking or keeping it in the middle uh, is, all, is practicing upeka parami, like equanimity. Um, and so the parameters and the Noble Eightfold Path are associated. Uh, there's no need to separate them out. So there's no need to think uh, the way that you are thinking. You just uh, practice sila, samadhi, and panya, and you build all sorts of uh, goodness and paramis that you're able to do. And then this is the path that will lead one to the highest ultimate happiness, that is Nibbāna. Nibbāna.